1: broadcasting company presents quiet please which is written and directed by Willis Cooper which features Ernest Chappell quiet please for today is called the evening and the morning they're all gone now aren't they that was the last car going out the gate wasn't it there's nobody there but the grave diggers Can we walk over there for a minute, please? It's getting dark, isn't it? Is that what's bothering you? There isn't anything here that'll hurt you. My grandfather always taught me not to be afraid of cemeteries. They're sad places, he always said. They're sad and they're lonesome. But there's nothing there to harm you. I'll only be a minute, really. I'm not gonna break down or anything like that. It's, there's something I have to do. No, I won't run away. You're not worried about that, are you? Well, after all, you've got a gun. You could shoot me if I tried to run away. I couldn't very well attack you suddenly, could I? Not with these handcuffs. Of course not. So let's walk over there for just a minute. Please? Don't you think you're overdoing it a little bit, Dean? I'm sorry if you think so. I do think so. Please, may we walk over to the grave? Listen here. You don't have to impress me, you know. I was good enough to bring you out here and take the responsibility for you. And I'm very grateful to you for that, Mr. Thorpe. You know, if some of her friends had seen you here, you'd have stood a good chance of getting lynched. I know that. I was sympathetic, and I listened to you. It was against my better judgment that I brought you out here. I'm more than grateful, Mr. Thorpe. If I could have come out here alone, I would have. We haven't started letting confessed murderers run around loose yet. Especially to attend the funerals of the people they've killed. May we walk over to the grave, please? Oh, come on. Thank you. You're not doing yourself any good this way, Dean. I'm not trying to, Mr. Thorpe. What do you want to see the grave for? How can you stand looking at it? Haven't you got any heart at all? I killed her, didn't I? They won't have any trouble hanging you for it. I expect that. Well, what do you want then? Why do you... This isn't easy, Mister Thorpe. It, it was hard enough doing what I did, and coming out here. Well, it has to be done. I don't know what you're talking about. I. I loved Alice, Mister Thorpe. You did. I did. And you murdered her. Here, where are you going? A uh, flower, that's all. I want a flower from her grave. That back. No. No, I won't put it back, Mr. Thorpe. I tell you... No, please don't ask me to put it back. That, this is a very precious thing, this flower. What are you talking about? Why... this is... this is why I murdered Alice, Mr. Thorpe. It's very good of you to walk back with me instead of riding really a great favor, Mr. Thorpe, and I might as well tell you it's, well, I would have insisted on walking if you hadn't agreed so readily. Insisted. You see, if you hadn't consented, I'd have just stayed there. And it would have been awkward for you because I, I think I'm stronger than you and I could have resisted you. I don't believe you would have used your gun. Even if you had threatened me, I wouldn't have moved. So I'm very grateful to you because it's important for me to walk back. It's the last walk in the open air you're likely to have. Yes, I suppose it is. You're a strange character, Dean. Why, you're rather unusual yourself, sir, walking peacefully down a dark road with a murderer all alone. You may not have noticed that I've got my hand in my coat pocket. So you have and in my coat pocket is a gun of course so let's not get any ideas because i've been stupid enough to humor you a little i have no intention of trying to escape thank you did you ever walk along the cemetery road before no i have i know every inch of it morbid no first time was with alice woman you killed yes I walked back with her from her husband's funeral a year ago so now you're walking back from hers did you kill him too no don't you remember he was killed in a motor accident oh yes Francis that was his name Francis yes were you uh, in love with Alice then I think I've always been in love with Alice I see but Alice loved Francis. I begin to see a motive now. Motive? For murdering her. She was still in love with her husband. She wouldn't have you. So you killed her. No. What? No, that wasn't my motive. What was then? I remember walking along this same road, Alice and I, a year ago. Just a year ago, day before yesterday. It was the same kind of evening, too. Cold and misty threatening snow like it is now. We'd stayed there at the cemetery after everybody else had gone, Alice and I. And now we were coming back home.
2: Francis would have liked the flowers, wouldn't he, Dean? Yes. So many, many flowers. Such beautiful ones. So bright and lovely the cold rain on them and pretty soon the snow. Alice. Francis, and the flowers. All alone. Dean, let's go back for a little while, can't
1: we? No, we we mustn't do that, Alice, dear.
2: Just come to me, Dean. I'm alone. This time I thought I... I mean, I couldn't help thinking that it's some ghastly joke. That Francis isn't really dead. It's a dream, maybe. And now... Our he is dead. And I'm alone.
1: Alice, dear, (laughs) don't. We've got to face it, you... Uh,
2: Francis... Francis is... All I've got left is a flower from his grave.
1: Alice, you're not alone. I'm... Well, I know I'm not. I... But you're not alone while I'm... Alice, you're
2: not alone. Look, Dean. The little yellow flower. The little yellow moss rose that Francis always loved so much. He was born and he lived and he loved me and I loved him and. Now there's nothing
1: left but this. Alice, will you listen to me? Alice, will you stop this? It's no good carrying home a flower from. from there. It's just a little symbol that'll break your heart all over again every time you look at it.
2: But. but it was from you. His...
1: No, don't say it. Don't carry home any reminders from that place, dear. I know this is hard. And now is the time for you to make decisions now, and not years from now, when you should be forgetting. That little rose, it'll always remind you. It'll always hurt you. It'll do terrible things to you, Alice. Throw it away.
2: Throw away Francis' flower?
1: It isn't his flower, Alice.
2: But I... I need something to remind you. Do you
1: need anything to remind you of Francis, Alice? You have your memories of five years of being married to him. You have all the things he wrote, the music he loved. You have so many precious memories, dear. You're going to trade them all for a a memory of a mound of flowers on a November day in the rain.
2: Why, I remember Francis when he came home from
1: the war. And the day you were married, I remember. He was so tall.
2: I remember both time we went to Canada and it snowed.
1: You remember Francis, not the flower.
2: And the springtime in the country with him. And the times he helped me wash the dishes.
1: Throw the flower away, Alice.
2: Here, Dean. You throw it away for me. I want to, but... I'm afraid. Throw it away, Dean. And let me keep Francis in my
1: heart. There's an old elm tree beside the road. the Biggest old elm tree you ever saw. We'll be walking past it in a few minutes. I'll show it to you, Mr. Thorpe. You certainly talk as if you uh, loved that woman, Dean. I did love her. I do love her. Well, why did you kill her then? Because I loved her. And because she loved Francis. I said that was it. No, no. You're right in what you said, but you're forming the wrong conclusions, Mr. Thorpe. How? You think that I murdered her in a fit of anger because she refused to marry me. Of course. Well, that isn't true. I don't understand you. I'll explain it all to you. It doesn't need much explaining to me. I'll explain it. Well, what happened? Did your idea about throwing away the flower work? Yes, of course. But you're carrying away a flower from her grave. Yes. Why? Perhaps I want my memories of Alice to be that grave out there in the rain. Adding to your own punishment. Yes, yes, that's part of it. I realize that I must pay a price for what I've done. I do that gladly. And I mean that, I mean I'm really glad to pay it. But I hope you will believe me. I want to punish myself even more. But I haven't finished, I've got one more thing to do. That's why I begged you to let me come to the funeral. And why I plucked the flower from her grave. You're over my head, Dean. Well, bear with me, Mr. Thorpe, it's only a little while. Uh, there, that that's the big elm tree I told you about. You see it? There, there's a little street light just beyond it. What about it? There's a bus stop just beyond it. We can we can wait there for a bus if you like. Yes, I see somebody waiting there now. I think it's a good idea. I'm tired. I wish you'd tell me, though, why you did do it, Dean. Not that it'll make any difference. Not with your confession and all that. Mr. Thorpe, are you superstitious? Me? No. It's nonsense. Oh, no, it isn't nonsense. A great many superstitions are founded on fact. A great many. I don't believe in ghosts, if that's what you mean. You know, Francis was a writer. Yes. A writer of supernatural stories. I didn't know that. He had a very thorough understanding of superstitions, beliefs of all kinds. He had a large library of source material on that subject. Did he believe in ghosts? He was a rational man, Mr. Thorpe and my very good friend. All right. I saw a good deal of Alice in the years since Francis was killed. In the first few months when she was having to reconstruct her life, when she was having to reconcile herself to the fact that she was alone, that that Francis was drawn out of her world, I spent a good deal of time with her. And I was gratified that she was taking it very well. She did the house over completely, with the exception of the room he'd used for study. That she left exactly as he'd left it. the typewriter, a stack of paper, the pottery jar full of sharpened pencils, half a pack of cigarettes and a torn match package. Even the wastebasket cramped full of torn sheets of paper exactly the way he'd left it. That, she said, was to be her living memory of Francis. And always when I came to visit her, we, we sat in Francis' study. And the talk was mostly of him
2: his publisher's called today and wondered what about the book he was working on. What about it? I told him it wouldn't be finished.
1: He only had a few pages to go as I remember it.
2: It won't be finished.
1: I don't think you ought to do that, Alice.
2: I want it that way, Dean.
1: Do you still feel...
2: I mean... I'm very glad you made me throw away that flower. That's what you mean. It was an ugly thing. Bringing it away from there. Yes. I'm very content now. It's been hard to make myself realize that... You know, it's not really so bad when there are people around. But at night, alone by myself, I... I think I've cried myself out.
1: I'm glad you're.
2: You've been an
1: angel. Well. You have. Well, you see, Alice, I love you. I know you do. I. Well, that's all I can say, Alice. I love you. It's. It's a horrible thing to have to say to the widow of my best friend, but widow. Well, Alice.
2: Widow, you said.
1: Well, but Alice.
2: You but... call me his widow. I'm not. I'm not. Stop. No, no, no. Get away from me. I'm not his widow. Do you hear me? I'm Francis's wife.
1: Where's that fellow that was waiting for the bus? Did he go away? Did you see him? Yes, I saw him. So she did get mad at you, huh? Yeah. Well, don't you think you were rushing things a little, Dean? Don't you think you should have waited a little longer before you put in a word for yourself with his widow? His wife. No, Mr. Thorpe, I always knew that Alice would never marry me. I knew too much of the deep love and affection that existed between those two. And I knew that I would never have a chance with her. But in, in all honesty, I, I couldn't help confessing to her. She said she knew how you felt. Yes. She did well i don't see where this story is getting us dean besides here's your tree and i'm going to sit down and wait for a bus where that other fellow went francis loved music although he couldn't play a note alice in the old days would sit at the piano nights when he found himself struggling with an idea that wouldn't come out francis always said that if he could listen to alice playing long enough the, the tougher situation would unravel itself i think that was a fact Many a night I've sat in the living room listening to her at the piano, while Francis listened from his study. I remember one thing he used to love. Alice played it so often for him, people used to laugh and call it their theme song. And one night, not very long ago, I dropped in to see Alice. After a while, she sat down at the piano and played it. I hadn't heard it for so long.
2: Since i played that, isn't it,
1: Dean? It still sounds wonderful to me.
2: I felt so lonesome tonight.
1: It's an unpleasant night.
2: Like it was a year ago. Out there, and.
1: In... You weren't going to think of that.
2: I can't help it, Dean.
1: Play something else.
2: No. I. I wonder if Francis is lonesome, too. Alice. No. I've been dreaming about him, Dean.
1: Well, I suppose
2: that's natural. He's always trying to tell me something. It's so vague. But he... he's lost. And he wants me so.
1: You're morbid tonight.
2: No. No, I'm not, Dean. I thought I was getting over missing Francis, Dean. But I'll never get over it. I thought I'd forget him. But I can't forget
1: him. You must forget him, dear.
2: No. I won't forget him. He's my husband. I love him. I love him. Alice,
1: dear, you mustn't know. Oh,
2: Dean. I want him so. You've never lost anyone, Dean. You don't know how it is. And now... These last few weeks, I know how Francis wants me.
1: You're not being rational, Alice.
2: But I love him, Dean. Oh, isn't there some way... No, Alice, No, I mean it. Dean. Listen. Well? Francis had so many books. Wouldn't there be something in one of them that might tell me how to bring Francis back?
1: Alice.
2: Oh, some way I could find him, Dean.
1: Alice, sit down and stop this. Dean. Well?
2: Dean, do you love me?
1: You know I do.
2: I'll never marry you.
1: Well, I hope that someday...
2: No. It's a sacrilege to think it even. I'm France's wife. I'll be France's wife forever. Forever and ever. Oh, well, darling. No, wait. as i'm sitting here i swear to you i'll always love francis yes and i i can't live without him
1: what do you mean by that
2: i've thought about it i've thought about it until my head hurts you think i'm losing my mind don't you no dean i won't marry you
1: yes you said that
2: do you want to earn my everlasting gratitude and Francis' gratitude,
1: too? I don't understand you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I won't do it.
2: Dean, listen. If I kill myself, that'll be a sin, won't it?
1: Yes.
2: And I won't go to heaven and be with Francis. No. Why? Then will you do it?
1: Alice, you've lost your mind. No. I, well, you I...
2: said you loved me. Prove it. Give me back to Francis.
1: That's a great story, Dean. That's a great story. Yes, it is. Isn't it? It's not the story you told when they arrested you. No. So you shot her because she asked you to. No. What do you mean? I went away from the house that night, I was very disturbed. Sleep? I couldn't sleep. About three in the morning, I telephoned her. We talked for a long time. She was much calmer. She agreed that she'd been very foolish. And we'd talk it all over again later in the day. I took two bromides and slept till noon. And then in the afternoon, she telephoned me and woke me up. Come over right away, she said. Come over now. Hurry. When I came in, she was holding a book. She seemed perfectly calm, but had obviously been crying for a long time. She was exhausted. What's happened, Alice, I asked?
2: What's the matter? Sit down,
1: What is it? What's that book?
2: It's one of Francis' books from his reference library. Oh. Dean, when you left last night, I got to thinking some more about what I'd said first. Maybe there was something in one of Francis' books that would tell me how to bring us together again.
1: Alice, I
2: thought... But still. It. I went in there, and I looked at a lot of books. Some of them I couldn't understand. But I found one. I found this one. What is it? Dean, you murdered Francis. What? You murdered his soul.
1: Alice, what are you talking about?
2: Do you remember the flower from his grave? Yes.
1: Yes, of course. Look at the book. Dictionary of Superstitions and Mythology. Bonagé, Paris, 1927. Well,
2: what about it? Page 101. I've marked it. Read it. Flowers.
1: If a flower be plucked from a grave that after been afterwards thrown away, the place where the flower falls will be haunted. Alice, what but, is this? It's true, Dean. It's superstition, for heaven's sake. It's true. Oh, now come now. It's, it's true. How do you know?
2: Because I went out to the cemetery road, and I went to the elm tree where you threw the flower away almost a year ago.
1: You went. Were... When did you go out there?
2: This morning, while well, it was still dark.
1: This morning.
2: And it's true. I know. Francis is there, chained to that spot forever and ever. Oh, Dane, what are we going to do? We did it, you and I. What are we going to do?
1: And what did you do? I. I did what I thought best. You mean to say you believe in a stupid superstition? You mean you murdered the woman because of... Because of... I came out here to this tree with Alice, Mr. Thorpe. You did? And I knew Francis was here, too. He's here now. you You saw him, didn't you? A man you thought was waiting for the bus. I... Here, where are you going? I threw away a flower from his grave here a year ago. Now, here's your flower, Alice. I've kept my promise, dear. Alice and Francis together now. Forever. You don't believe that. Listen. of today's Quiet Please story is The Evening and the Morning. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper. Ernest Chappell was the man who spoke to you, Dan Bess Johnson played Alice. Martin Lawrence was Mr. Thorpe. As usual, music for Quiet Please is by Albert Berman. Now, for a word about next week, our writer-director, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet Please. For next week, I have a story which I call One for the Book. So until next week at the same time. I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Now, a listening reminder. A great number of our citizens are unaware of the insidious rackets that are constantly challenging our law enforcement agencies. You can hear about them on David Harding Counterspy. Tune in Counterspy this afternoon on your ABC station.